Tonight, Queensland win again and again and again, which means Crash Craddock doesn't have to wear this blue wig. A couple of blues start drowning their origin sorrows five days too soon. Winning tears and losing tears as Roger dominates at Wimbledon. Patrick Dangerfield launches his comedy career as the Swans mount a serious challenge. And the man who rides the people's champion, Winks, Hugh Bowman saddles up as our special guest. Expect the unexpected on the back page live. What a win for Australia. So much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed <laughs> as Jeff Benick in a spelling bee. People costume his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. <laughs> Uh, it's great to have your company right around the country. If it's happened in sport this week, these people have watched it. Welcome to Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. I had to put you in the blue wig crash, yeah. you know that. Yes. Somehow <laughs> it had to happen. And over this side, Ryan Fitzgerald, alongside a man making his run-on debut on the panel, Adam Gilchrist. Gilly, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Cutlass sporting big hitters on the end of the desk here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We have so much great stuff to get to with you this evening. I think we'll start, though, with Roger Federer. An eighth Wimbledon title, a 19th career major, up there with the greatest athletes of all time, and Kel, a champion bloke yeah. to boot. Oh, I'm watching this replay for about the 10th time, and it's still beyond belief, Tony, isn't it? I mean, he's taking tennis where it's never been before. It's almost five years between slams and then the six months off, and he comes back to win number 18 and 19, and uh, he just continues to enhance the legend. You've actually, have you had to spend any time with the great man? I was very fortunate. 2005, we were over there for an unsuccessful Ashes. Uh, <laughs> but we managed to go to Wimbledon, as you do on these amazing trips. Yeah. About 20 to 2 uh, on finals day, uh, he was, uh, Federer was taking on Andy Roddick. And I was standing with um, Jason Gillespie and Tony Roach walked past, who mm. was coaching uh, Federer at the time. Mm. And he, he said, boys, do you want to come and meet Roger? And we went, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so we went down into the locker room. No one else in there except for Roger Federer. Uh. We walk in, meet him, have small talk and chat, chat, chat. And I said to him, mate, do you ever get nervous? You know, you've been in this situation a few times. Do you get nervous? He goes, yeah, just, just a little bit before the game. And I looked at the clock and it was seven minutes to two. And they're, they're hitting off at two o'clock. Oh. <laughs> oh, don't want to frighten you, but you better start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that was part of what Tony said later on. He said he does get a bit more nervous than he lets on, and I wanted to get someone down there to, to distract him. So we did our best distraction, and he nailed Roddick in three sets. It was unbelievable. He, where do you put him then, Crash? He is a superstar. Look, if he's not the greatest sportsman of all time, what about this, the most popular of all time? Mm. Like, I can only put Usain Bolt with him in terms of yep. guys who, from the presidents to the lady operating the mm. car park or someone doing the dishes, everyone cheered for, for them just about all the time. I mean, people say Muhammad Ali, but I'll tell you what, he polarised people in his yeah, day. and I think, to me, yep. Ali, Jordan... Yep. Bolt. They seem so... Yep. Um, it's almost like they, they're surreal. They live on a different planet. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Roger is so real. He's yep. so relatable. Mm. He, I mean, he's just so normal and he makes yeah. so many people happy. Um, <laughs> he, he's definitely... The argument has to be that, you know that he is the greatest sports person of all time. Yeah, and, and people say Jack Nicholas, but we, we never sort of felt we got to knew Jack in yep. a way, the grainy television footage, but you can reach out and touch him today. So 
Gosh, yeah, I think he's, he's there now. Guys, the, the topic of picking and choosing. Now, obviously, Federer's a bit older now, and he picks the tournaments that he's going to play him. I think it's, his, it's saved his career. It's going to give him a bit more longevity. But do you think now other players like Djokovic, like Nadal, will start doing the same? Because it's been very successful. Right well, I mean, the Williams sisters have been doing it for decades, yeah. and it's, mm. they were criticised early days for doing it, but it's worked for them, and they've been on the tour for more than 20 years now, and it's a sport that tears up your body. Yeah. So it, it's amazing to think that these guys are still around. And you talk about that longevity. He's 35 going on 36, Roger. So obviously that very question was asked of him. Could he still be playing at Wimbledon age 40? I mean, you would think so, you know, that if health permitting and like you say, everything's okay and you could take 300 days off beforehand and just prepare for Wimbledon <laughs> and put yourself in a, in a freeze box, you know, and, and then you come out and you train a bit and you know you're not going to be injured, you know. Yeah, playing Wimbledon, winning Wimbledon are just two separate things as well. Um, don't forget that. So. So he's right to go. I love it. Marin Cilic, of course, his opponent was hampered by that blister on his foot. He got incredibly emotional about not being able to compete on the biggest stage. These weren't tears about the pain of what he was going through, but the idea that there he was and it was not going to go for him. Yeah, I guess, Gilly, I mean, when you work your whole life to finally get there and you know you're not quite 100% and you're getting humiliated on the biggest stage, he just became a little bit overwhelmed. He certainly did, and he mentioned, spoke about that later on in the, in the press conference, didn't he? It wasn't about the pain, physical pain, it was the mental anguish yep. of, of knowing. And uh, he's already won a Grand Slam, and he played so well to get to this situation. And I guess it's so hard for mm. any opponent that day. They knew they were going out there taking on not just Roger Federer, but the whole world. Yeah. Because yeah, he's, he's so popular. And he loves tennis. He reminded me a lot of Bernard Tommy. Kilich <laughs> <laughs> was like a, yeah. a groom turning up, wasn't he, and you're popping a button at the church. Like, suddenly everything sort of go, oh, no, I knew this had happened. Like, he just went to water, didn't he? You know? Vina uh, Muguruza continued her rise, beating Venus Williams in the women's singles final. I mean... Obviously, emotionally, a lot of us were attached to Venus getting that job done. But Jean Muguruza, she's a great player, isn't she? She is. And this match turned on an instant because Venus was serving 5-4, 14-15 with a couple of set points and she rattled off the last eight uh, games. So it was amazing how, much it, how quickly it turned. Venus, uh, still the story, obviously, 37. She was chasing that sixth Wimbledon title. She's been on tour since 1994. That wow. was before you had even pulled on any green or gold. That yeah, is incredible. Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, that they're saying about... Uh, Muguruza about her. If she tries harder, she could be one of the greats. So she's yeah. a dual Grand Slam winner yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. and, and, and Roger Federer made the point about this maybe part of his longevity is that the next generation haven't forced him out of yep. the game. So it's amazing these questions around these younger, talented players. Maybe they do get a bit overworked too early and lose that passion for the, for the game. Yeah. Gilly, you mentioned uh, being at Wimbledon early. Uh, so since then, we've managed to dig up a photograph. I think this is 2001. This be a good one. Pat yes. Rafter, Goran oh, yeah. uh, Ivanisevic. Uh, oh, that's what? <laughs> what's going on? Oh, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. All you need is a bum spirit. bag. You can we, be a speed dealer. Damien <laughs> Martin in the middle was having none of it. That was us. We were like the seven dwarfs following our legendary captain, Steve Wall. <laughs> Come on, boys. We're going to the Wimbledon final. Let's wear the baggy green cap. That and those it. Oakleys. What were those Oakleys? Oh, they were the, oh, they the were frog skins. They were horrible. No, they weren't the frog skins. They weren't good. They were bad. But I did have a sore head. We heard about Roger Federer turning up, having a sore head after his celebration. That was the day after we won a test match at Edges, Edgbaston. And did it feel did daggy? Did really? Did it feel... Did you think, oh, this would be I didn't feel anything itch? that day. <laughs>
my first hundred in an Ashes series. I wasn't feeling a lot, but it hurts to look at it now. Wimbledon, of course, is a tournament that does take itself very seriously. Look, I'm not sure how officials would have enjoyed this moment. This bloke I love. This is a heckler invited onto the court by the ladies' legends doubles team, including uh, Kim Kleiss is there. She went and got the, was it shorts? The shorts no, it's and the skirt? skirt. It's the short yeah. skirt combine. Yeah, yeah. The Scorts. 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 That's Scorts. 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 That's very pretty. This was great. Yeah. How good's Kim Kleister's? Tennis does this really oh. well. <laughs> oh. No shame. I reckon he would have left a couple of burnouts in that. <laughs> I wouldn't be wearing them again. <laughs> the weather was uh, remarkably good for just about the entire tournament, which is good news because punters did struggle where ponchos were required, uh, including this. I think this guy's actually. Ian from Adelaide, we've since discovered. <laughs> what? Just yeah, he's, trouble, isn't he? he's having a lot of trouble just trying to find now. Where do I put the arm? He's from Adelaide. Yeah, from Adelaide. he's the biggest thing in Adelaide at the moment, Kel. He's going back there. Bigger than you, Fitzy. Yeah, he's known as the poncho man. Well, you, you can just turn up in Adelaide with the bag over your head, come here. <laughs> obviously, well, until we see if he rocked up the snow town <laughs> yes. like that, he'd be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> In honour of Ian's struggles, we thought we'd look at our top five poncho moments. And we start with the, the romantic poncho. Uh, poncho for two, it's at the races. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing, look at that. At number four, wind is the enemy of the poncho. Uh, certainly trying to put the poncho on in the breeze, not going so well for the poncho on the right. It's never going to work. Over the head, no. Nah. At number three, knowing which part of the body goes where can be uh, tricky as well. Look, this guy now, he's looking now. Now, wait a second. Is that for your hand? No, that's for your head. If I try to find the other bit where I can put my hand or my head. Wait a second. I found it. No, that's the same spot exactly. Where was before. Number two. This lady's got it right. Uh, everything except the hoodie part. Uh, <laughs> you can rob the bank, obviously, in Adelaide now, but she's. <laughs> And the friends having the same struggle, uh, just seeing everything through the nice pollution. There, she's got it out. Number one, I love this guy. Uh, here he goes. So the hat is the first problem, obviously, getting it down. So we take the hat off and maybe Look, try again. it's not even raining. And you're right. And, and the rain has cleared. And there we go. <laughs> All right, we, we can't put it off any longer. Uh, let's spend 30 seconds wrapping up State of Origin. Oh. And what glory it was for New South Wales with this amazing try to yes. clinch the win for the Blues <laughs> yeah. in the under-16s. Yeah. Uh, Bradman Best, this kid's name is, going over for the try. Uh, I left after that point. What happened in the veterans game a bit later on there? <laughs> oh, I think you might have copped a bit of a toweling, Tony. But, uh, look, extraordinary win. I, I just think it just means more to Queensland. Yeah. That's why they win every year. I saw it in their faces. I saw it in the dressing room. And they won it in the selection room too. I've got to say that. We were, a lot of people were saying Cherry Evans put him in and they said, you know what, we're not going to pick him because we got this desperado called Cameron Munster who will just rip and tear things apart. And he did. It's desperation. Mitchell Pearce, I saw a guy, you know, he tried hard but almost scared of losing. How Cameron many series? Munster. How many series now for Mitchell Pearce? Only the seven. Yeah. And he hasn't oh, had a win. He's not had a win in seven. Yeah. But, but, and you know what? It's Lucky not his fault. He tried hard. I wish him the best. But it, it just in those two players, 
Munster ripped it apart. His lack of fear. I want this but, game. Know, he was great. He was also great because Cam Smith was great. Last week, I think we said in the show, we had a crack at Cam Smith about the lack of metres he yeah. in the first two games. He came out and smashed it, not only from dummy half and running, but coming back first receiver and just shepherding Cameron Munster into that game, and suddenly he was on fire. That was a great captain's knock. Oh, yeah. Well, but it's the leadership, Tony. Yeah. That's what... Yeah. The Blues haven't got leaders. No, yeah, you're right. You can... Last week, we showed this beautiful footage of the Blues high-fiving and, and cuddling and all this and said how together they looked. Then they get on the field and there's no leaders. And, and, that's, and that's why Laurie Daly... I, I, I think Laurie should be given another chance because we, well, Laurie's pro he's proved himself on the State of Origin stage when he as played. So you yeah. know that he can go out there and he can win. But as a coach, yeah. you need leaders out in the field. When you oh, don't you do. have a Cameron Smith or a Billy Slater or a Cooper Cronk, you, I mean, you, you, it's, you can't do everything And you, and you can't fake it, uh, Fitzy. Like, I saw Clemmer and a couple of these blokes breathing fire before the game and all this. Cam Smith was sitting there as if he's going to do a crossword. Honestly, yeah. he was just looking around like this, cold as you like, bang, yeah, straight into action. such a selfless team as well. And, I mean, mm. surely, Tony, you couldn't help but admire and just Oh, respect I could help but admire. The way <laughs> they went admire. about it in victory. They're just very, very classy I was team. at the Noosa Surf Club. Uh, after three and a half minutes, I went with my scarf around my face and left very quickly and uh, didn't watch another Did you second. get through your bucket of prawns, though? <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, of course, everyone's looking for something or someone to blame. Ticker, passion, the culture. They've latched onto the fact that Josh Dugan and Blake Ferguson spent their day off last Friday, five days out from the game at a pub in Lennox Head, throwing back the beers. What could possibly go wrong here? No atrocities were committed. Why is this such a huge issue? Oh, I disagree, Tone. An eight-hour session on the booze, and I know everyone's saying, oh, they only had five pots. It's the biggest game in New South Wales' recent history. They paid $30,000 for it. They've had form before, and I reckon that... And Michael the excuse you like, and they'll probably get away with their punishment, but that's why the Blues lose. And, and I'm not trying to sit here and pump up Queensland, but they wouldn't have done it. Mm. They would not have done it. Well, Kevin Walters has taken action before, has he? has. Players, not big-name players, well, early was on. Well, one of the reasons yeah. Queensland won was last year, they sacked all these players. Yeah. Cameron Munster, no. Valentine's oh. Holmes for beating the thing, but so, Gilly... There's no moral high ground. New South Wales would have done the same thing if they'd had that kind of thing. Would happen. they? Yeah, absolutely. You reckon? Absolutely. Honestly? I, honestly. And uh, Tony, Peter Sterling your nose is growing. But look at Gilly. I, when I just got a flash of you and I thought back to Andrew Simons uh, breaking uh, that time, well, the, the big day out in, in England, uh, when we talk about this sort of thing. Can you, yeah, well, do you have memories good. of that? I was impressed that these blokes got home by 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good effort, wasn't it? That was, that, that's early. But, but mind you, some would say Andrew Simons did better. He got home at 6.30 in Cardiff one year. That night? A.M. Oh. <laughs> on, on game day. But, on um, game day? Yeah. How did you know? Um... Just when he tried to warm up, we were running around warming up and he did a calf stretch and he was actually pushing on a wheelie bin and it slipped out. <laughs> but uh, but you know, the, the footnote to that was um, Andrew Simons admired Brian Lara yeah. and, and no-one really liked to talk too much about that incident around Simo for a while. But he, in a test match against Brian Lara, he asked if Brian would sign his shirt and, and Brian, he, you know, Simo looked up to him and Brian didn't really know what to write. He wanted to write something clever and like all people do when they write an autograph and he just scribbled, 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 gave it back to Simo and it said, Simo, I love Cardiff too. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it, it, it is um, just going back to the senior players in that Queensland setup. You could just see what it meant to them at the end and as yes. you all know, towards the end of your career it gets more and more special but I think just the fact that they were able to integrate those younger debutantes yeah. mm. in 
and, and then share that feeling. And almost now they've started another... Yeah. Well, whether it's a dynasty or a, a, leaving that legacy about what it means is, is really yeah. apparent yeah. on Smith and Slater and Cronk. They really enjoyed well, that. Well, yeah. I relate to Ferguson and Dugan because I was driven to drink on Wednesday as well. All right, Aaron Woods, he copped some flack for his game, State of Origin 3. That wasn't enough. He backed up for the Tigers and got tackled by the hair. It's an ugly little Darcy Lussick. He, he, he got a fine. Ouch. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that, no. surely. Still, it is a good target. And they stole his well, My Little Ponies after. <laughs> <laughs> well, Woods didn't seem too upset by it, did it today? He said it happens every game. He must, he said he must yeah. have just done it in front of the ref because no-one else gets pinned for is it. Is there any part of you that thinks, well, if you have long hair, you ask for it? Like, do you think... Do, is there yeah. any rule that says, oh, he's got long hair, I'll just... It's, you know, just tack them away around it? Or? No, see, you no. Queenslanders have no moral compass whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, for a bloke who's been tailed up 11 years out of 12, I just don't want to be here when Queensland lose a series. I mean, you'll be standing on there and you're bloody jocks or something. Yeah, and Alfie Langer at the Normandy with his pants down up on yeah, the bar. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, God. Oh, I can't wait for the I Blues mean... to win. It's the smorgasbord. Playing for the snack time. in the rain was Great fun when you were a kid. Not sure it was quite so good for the Sharks and the Titans. This is massive. There was a storm on the Gold Coast. This, this is was oh, absolutely no. brutal. And, you know, the Titans played the best they've played in years. I can't oh. understand it. But uh, there's the Don uh, going for a bit of a skid there. Ash, Ash Taylor, Taylor had a brilliant a game. He's a great kid, isn't Some he? Some kids just play well in the wet. It's yeah. unbelievable. Greg Dowling, the former Origin mm. player, Grew up in North Queensland, played in puddles all his life, used to pray for rain. Well, they train at Wet and Wild, so that... that <laughs> <laughs> Gee, AFL journos are a tough crowd, aren't they? Patrick Dangerfield had been bagged by serial bagger Kane Corns for making too much <laughs> of his injuries. So the Geelong superstar decided to ham it up a little bit for the media. But just, just listen to the response. Gonna get me sling right. <laughs> Just procrastinating all the time. Ah! You got off me! Sounds like it's working so hard. Sounds like the response from our radio show. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. He is a bit quirky, Paddy Dangerfield, and he likes to take he the PIWS a bit. I, th I thought that was great. But he go. He goes on there for another. Yeah, no. Couple of minutes. He got yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Awkward, hard. Yeah. He, he tried far too. Look, but still, it was deserved. That was funny. Do you think maybe some of the journos on initial sighting might have thought? Yes. Probably. Wow, he really hurt. So you don't want to start laughing. Yeah. Look at you. Although the laugh still would have worked. I mean, I think he deserved the laugh. Uh, it deserved this response. Have a look. <laughs> conference was held in Geelong and most journos don't like travelling down the highway so it was probably mm. just their um, internet media guy fiddling it. <laughs> 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 
trying to get that canned laughter at them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, dear. the thunder continues to be shaken down from the sky. Yes, the Sydney Swans have kicked and scratched their way into sixth spot on the ladder mm. with uh, this win over the Giants. It wasn't a completely pretty win, apart from the efforts of this big bloke who was yeah. sensational. He is pound for pound. Look at this. Oh, that's yeah. Look at this. Thing, isn't He's it? pound for pound the most exciting sports person to watch in Australia yeah, yeah. of any code. They have said it. The way he moves, he is just, and the kids just adore him. I mean, Sydney at the moment, they obviously lost their first six games, went out to 101 to, uh, dollars to win the flag. Yep. Uh, the, if you actually look at the table from round 7 to 17 mm. and their percentage in games that they've won, they are streets ahead of anyone in the competition at the they moment. Won 9 of 10. Yep. Is that yep. right? Yeah, 9 of 10. Their last team. No other teams and won 6 in that yeah. time frame. But that footage there, you're right about... I remember when he moved and, you know, controversially and everyone was uncertain about this Bloods culture and will Buddy fit in and Adam Good saying... That's the next challenge for him and the senior players in their career to bring him in and, and get him to embrace it. Yep. And he's truly embraced it, hasn't he? Because totally. he's, he's well and truly yeah. one of the swans now and the way he leads and the passion, mm. you can see it, it's really evident. It is, and there they sit now in N6 and, and who'd have thought, and as you said, the bookies, they're the worst, it's the worst case scenario for them. It was 100 mm. to 1, I think, after the, their first six losses. Uh, and... It wasn't just the bookies, though. Uh, there it is. He's bookie monsters if they get through now. 100 to 1, round 6. Kelly Underwood, I think around that time of uh, 05, 06, you had this to say. You won't be playing this year. And under the... Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I don't think that you can play finals after a 0 and 5 start. In fact, history says you, you won't. Oh. Do you stand by that, Ms Kelly Underwood? Yes! <laughs> Zero five killer. A yeah. week later, that was zero six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting yes, for. Yes, I do. Tony. Be honest. I mean, they do have a tough run in. Let's be honest. But yeah. what, what's your real theory? You got six games to go. Yeah. One of them's against Hawthorne at the MCG. Yeah. One's against Adelaide in, in Adelaide, Adelaide, and one's against Geelong in Geelong. Yeah. But you've got to win Paddy's... three, maybe four. Hey, what about That's I have to? I'm saying. Okay. I said the blue wig. All right. If, if New South Wales won, and you know, it's never, never really an issue. It's never going to happen. But <laughs> what about the Swans? Are you prepared to say something? If the Swans make the top four, I'll come on this show wearing what a red wig and look oh. like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Okay, thank you. Keep the tape. Keep the tape. Yeah. I heard her say yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Rio managed to come up with a spectacular mark attempt and an even better spoil. Uh, sadly, they were teammates did both things in the one movement. Here, up they go and bang. I just think it's great teamwork time. Got, isn't to it? carry him down to the ground. Stop him the blow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a tight team. <laughs> that is oh, their day, really. That would have been a good day. It did sum up, up their day. In fact, let's go into the coach's box. You can kind of tell the pecking order inside the coach's box. <laughs> if you spill Coca-Cola onto someone else's papers and don't have to clean it up yourself... Got the game plan? Yeah, that's the hell of And that's Anthony Rock there. He was at oh. Glen Harch's house that day, so he's had to clean up a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is Ross Lyon there, as you yeah. said. It was a tough day all around for Freer. It's not so good the other way around, like Bomber Thompson sitting here spraying then Bomber's... Oh. James. <laughs> 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 the old shake up the bottle trick. Got him. He's, he's she, Sheeds did that. Left it in there for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Heard? The Norm Smith presenting the Norm Smith Medal at this year's Grand Final. Now it's part of the rotation. He, of course, is a Norm Smith medalist himself. 
to present it for the best on ground. There's been a bit of brouhaha about it. Kel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I sort of got lost in re the reporting that there is a, a system in place, so it is his turn because yep. he won the Norm Smith back in 2000. I think it is, you know, plenty of time has gone by and it's probably, you know, about the time the AFL needs to sit down and try and welcome him back because footy is a very forgiving industry and there are others that are working in the industry now that have had their issues in the past. <laughs> Having said that, I don't think this is the right way because 100,000 people at the MCG, it's their showpiece event, their big day of celebration, to get James introduce James Hurd up on stage after the game. You can't tell me that not one of those 100,000 will boo. Well, and if they're booing, then it's sort of unfair to whoever the player is that walks up to accept the Norm Smith medal. And then that day, maybe, you know, it's sort of overtaken or overshadowed by the booing of James Hurd. Shane Flanagan and the Sharks got up and accepted, you know, the win in the grand final in the NRL. They'd yeah. been in a similar situation. But they, he'd won a grand final for his club, so yeah. who was going to boo him? Yeah, but at... Kel, he's got to make the decision at some stage. He's got to face the AFL supporters at some stage. He's got to get booed. I think this is the biggest stage. I think They've, they've put out the olive tree to him and, he, and he's accepted it. I think it's a great decision. Do you think that he will get booed? Oh, there, there, will, there will be a few boos. When they give out the Norm Smith medal, usually the only supporters that are still in the ground are the winning supporters who are still celebrating. So I don't think you're going to get anyone too angry but when the, James Hurd is The reason introduced. that he's been asked is because he's a legend of the game and he's asked up on stage to be, to be celebrated. Yes. And so if you've got people booing him, it just goes completely against, you know, the celebration of a legend. And I'm not saying mm. that he doesn't deserve it. I'm saying it's the time is soon to welcome him back. Mm. But is this the right way? Uh, I have my doubts about it, and I reckon he'll be terrified. That's my tip. He will loathe that day. He'll be so nervous about it. You know, his family there, and it's just... You know, be, it could be a shuddering moment for him. It's good that they extended the olive tree and not just the olive branch. branch. So oh, that, sorry, Tony. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big bloody tree. <laughs> <laughs> There's been far too much love in the room at AFL headquarters. Uh, two executives quitting of revelations they've been involved in affairs with younger co-workers. Oh, look, I'm torn on this. Uh, it seems to me, and many others, I find myself... I don't know, I don't often uh, agree with a, a few people. Uh, that yes. Have, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Why is it anybody's business other than them? These, two, these consenting adults, they've had an affair, let's forget about the moral uh, involvement mm. of this, but why are these people being sacked? Why is it out there in the public domain? Because this is, well, first of all, this is a brand-new AFL chairman in Richard Goiter re trying to reset the culture within the walls of the AFL. So, harsh... But it's, it's the, the Commission's call to really, I guess, come down hard in a sense. This is a public-facing organisation that publicly is co constantly saying, we are all about gender equality, we are promoting, we are better code than anyone else because we want women to come and work at the AFL. We want girls to come and play our game. We're all about gender equality. Gillian McLaughlin, the AFL CEO, is a male champion of change. So if you're going to... Walk, talk the talk, you need to be able to walk the walk, in a sense. So you can't have the AFLW mm. flying and, you know, Simon Lethleen, who's one of these executives, was closely... He, he oversaw the AFLW competition. He's got close links with that women's competition and as in a position of power, a position of leadership, it's just not a good look. But, but did he use that position of power and leadership to influence the young lady yeah. in to have this sexual... Yeah, coercion, exactly. Like, See, see, that's a good question because the question. the question is, okay, if you take if there is no complaint from the ladies, 
if there is no suggestion of harassment and they're all in it together, mm. should the ladies have been sacked as well? I know one of them has left, but is that is that a fair question? Well, they're not in leadership roles, are they? And the men were in the... And I, look, if the women were in the leadership roles, this yep. is why I'm saying it's So wrong. the women would have been sacked? That's exactly right. Because right. they have used their okay. position of power and they're in the leadership roles where they are promoting yep. gender equality. Right. They are all about, you know, the fact that... It's complex. You know, it is complex. Mm. Very Absolutely. complex. And it is, and it's hard, yeah. but it's part of, I think, you know, trying to break up the boys' club. Sure. Here's how Gillan McLaughlin uh, dealt with it. There will be issues always. It's how you deal with them. I feel that we've addressed the issues strongly today and um, um, we'll continue to make change because it's a journey and, and we're not where we want to be yet. Uh, the standards are there. We, everyone understands what they are. Um, people have made two significant mistakes and they've been held to account. I don't think there was confusion about the standards. All right, Gil McLaughlin there. Uh, Kel, you saw somebody very interesting at the footy at the I weekend. I did, yes. I was at the Tigers game and Katie Lang, uh, who's performing three concerts in Melbourne this week, I think, uh, popped along and was a bit of a surprise visitor. Here she is with the oh. uh, current president of the Richmond Footy Club, Peggy O'Neill. Wow. Now, this came about because, very quickly, Katie boarded her plane in the US to come to Melbourne and Peggy O'Neill, the Richmond president, was sitting nearby, went over to her before the plane took off and said, oh, I just happened to be in charge of the Tigers if you'd like to come along next week or during the week and left it at that. And then during the flight, Katie Lang came over to her and said, actually, I think she was travelling with a 10-year-old boy, we'd like to come along to the game today. So the plane landed at 8 in Melbourne and she was at the footy by 1pm. And like all Richmond supporters, she's constantly craving for a premiership. Uh, and when they won Fitzy, she said hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> on that note, coming up, champion jockey Hugh Bowman joins us. We relive a famous Australian British Open win, plus the Shark reveals all in his latest Instagram offering. This is the final game of the 120th Open Championship. On the team, Ian Baker Finn. That's a real cracker. Up for a three. Two perfect putts. The only negative thought I had was, boy, you better not stuff up from here. Yeah. He's got it. What a wonderful start. You like that one, Petey? I love it. You like that one, bud? Love it. Oh. Two ahead. Two to play. is the champion for 1991. I'd really like to thank all of the, the support that I've had from you all here. I hope now that I'm not a loser and that I'm a winner, you'll still stay behind me. I love that. Why, you ask? We play it well, maybe just to enjoy the glory of Ian Baker Finch's 1991 British Open win, but also because this week's Open will again be played at Royal Birkdale, the scene of that lurid pink-shirted <laughs> Wow, that was quite an Fashion epic. Then, wasn't, it? wasn't it brilliant? It's an amazing story, though, IBF, isn't he? And then because it 
but went downhill pretty soon after. It really did. Look, he was so debonair. And then after that win, he sort of he could see the game going to power play. So he tried to change his game and absolutely lost everything. It was an extraordinary. Like, you saw his confidence there saying, you like that, you know? He was a kid from the Sunshine Coast in Caloundra. He loved that trophy so much that he got his own one made. He said to the jeweller, carve every one of these old names in. It cost him 30 grand. And when he went back to rural Birkdale Dale a few years later and his game had fallen apart, the boys in the pro shop thought, let's make this special for him. So over the loudspeaker, they played, as he was coming up the last fairway, they played the, the rewind of the, that the victory. The crowd's cheering. So you could hear it. And here he is in Baker Finch and the poor bloke, such yeah. an emotional kid, he went to tears. But then he lost it. It was, it was so sad. He, um, uh, for every punter, though, they loved him because every time you scored, like, a 92 in a round of 18, you thought you were still up with a pro. <laughs> <laughs> he had that Fitch, it, was, round. it was so tough for him that mm. he got so haunted, he would be driving along the highway and looking at a golf course and see a fairway and think, God, look how narrow it is. Yeah. You know, how do they ever hit it? Like, well, it became first, so... first at St Andrews isn't yeah. narrow at all. And I've got some footage of here, here of course, when it was all going wrong yep. for him. Yep. And, he, and he just... He couldn't keep it on the course. That's right. The, one of the widest fairways in golf, and he, he completely, absolutely mucked that up beyond That's two belief. Fairways like, across. Yeah. 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 Uh, and if, if you do listen to the commentary there, if you, if you Google it, they talk about over there the souvenir shop. He might, he might be able to go and purchase some souvenirs. Yeah, that's a, as low as you could get, yeah. really. But, but yeah. he's made a great career as a commentator. He's a broadcaster out there in, uh, around yeah. the world, but mainly in the States. Gilly, you're a weird style of golfer, obviously a left-hand bat cricketer, but you hit the golf club right-handed. Yeah, and I probably should try left-handed. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, Dad had right-handed clubs when I learnt. So there's a lot of... Lot of um, left-handed batsmen out there that do play golf right-handed. Mark Taylor's the same. And are you lefty right Yeah, what are you right I'm right side dominant with everything. Wow. Oh, so you're amphibious. Ambidextrous. Yeah. Um, like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those ones. Ambidextrous. I was just coming out of the ocean. <laughs> 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 just thinking the other day, uh, I wonder how Greg Norman's going. So I checked his Instagram account. And look, there he was, living the cowboy oh, yeah. dream. Chaps, pistol and all. So Australian. Yeah. It gets better though, uh, Fitzy. Uh, the cowboy gear oh, comes off, oh, and he's stark. It's like a hen's knot. He's in okay, cowboy's what, outfit, though? then he's got no clothes How on. Is How old is he? Sixty. He's mid sixties. Yeah. Can we, oh, why, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you be posting? Can we that put that back that up? Age? Can is he? Can you put that photo back up again? Is he the naked one? Is he fishing there? Is he, <laughs> is he dangling something into the water to try to get a nibble? He, he, he does look pretty good for his age. Yeah, he? Obviously, he does. Like crash. But Fitzy, you reckon he's going through a midlife crisis, don't well, you? Well, he, he's got to be. I don't know. I don't know at the moment. I don't know why he's, he's got this new girl, and obviously yeah. he's in good nick at the moment. Yeah. But he also, I don't know. If you follow him on Instagram, mm. yeah. he's got. I mean. He's loaded and he's got everything, yachts and everything, yeah, but he's yeah. got a couple of stallions in the stable. Yeah. The other day he put up a photo of the, uh, one of his prize stallions going for it with another horse. Oh, and there's the shark well, down the front with a camera just filming it. Oh, he, he, you know, he's speak, not the speaking first... of being in good nick, yeah. crash. Well, he's not the first sportsman to, to show off his body. No. Mm. No, I was up at the... Uh, Cowboys the other day up at Townsville for Queenslanders only and the punter came up to me in the crowd, a real lovely knockabout bloke. He said, mate, I've got my favourite poster and I've always wanted to get it autographed. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought, oh, who's this taking a mark or something? And uh, so I guess, Fitzy, the only question is where would you like to sign oh, it? No. <laughs> Oh, 
So what, what, that was you a pretty shoulder. Oh, give me a break. Hey, read oh, the quote out, Kel. I, I find lingerie and shoulders sexy. Oh, I get excited that, by that that's adorable. But, but how about this? I've spent 15 minutes in the green room of Fitchy saying, mate, why would the shark oh. do it? Honestly, just got to get over it. I mean, you know, he's middle-aged. <laughs> and and here we are. location is that? That is horrible. Uh, new idea. New, yeah, new, new idea, yeah. Hot bodies, yeah. 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 I mean, look at this. He gave me the whole thing. It's fantastic. Hot bodies. <laughs> oh, yeah, we yeah. had to do it. But he asked it. me about your relationship, Fitchy, and I said you and Bruce are really happy. So cricket and South Africa playing England. Gee, it's hard to work out who to support less, isn't it? Uh, Joe Root had a great first test as captain, Gilly, uh, yeah. and they've been thumped by over 300 in the second. Yeah, and I think that's just symbolic of test cricket of all the nations around the world at the moment. On any given day, one can beat the other. There's no standout team that is the, the dominating team around the world, so you're going to keep seeing it, which makes it exciting. And I think um, the more in interesting point out of that has been the the former England captains who love jumping on board oh, the tabloid press over Vaughan there. Vaughan yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vaughan and, Nasser Hussain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they come out. And, and I don't think they speak untruths. They're just saying they didn't commit themselves, the batsmen, in this particular game. But mm. Ian Botham's comments really caught my attention. He said, this is a joke. We've got to get this right because the Ashes are coming up soon. And we know that the Australians are going to be so well organised and ready to go over there. They're going. To... <laughs> <laughs> you not, you not looked across the water. Must <laughs> <laughs> have internet coverage. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even got a team. We <laughs> In 15 seconds or less, so Gilly, are we likely to with this whole pay dispute thing? Is there going to light at the end of that tunnel? Yes, I, I think within a week. Oh, really? I wow. There could James Sutherland, yeah. the CEO of Cree Australia, is, is finally at the table, and I, I believe things are progressing. And I. I, I well, I hope, and I, I believe within a week we should be able to right. have something to celebrate. That is positive. All right, uh, look, big game for the women, of course, in the, with the World Cup as well later in the week. Take, take on India in the semi-final. Elise Perry mm. has been sensational. Uh, the whole, you know, is it five fifties in, in a row? Yeah. Five fifties in a row in this tournament. Second highest run scorer. She's picked up nine wickets. Uh, affected a run out from the boundary where she threw yeah. the stumps direct hit. Down, yeah. Uh, and all this, not forgetting that she has scored a goal for the Matildas in a World Cup game as well. So she's a reasonably talented young lady. She is remarkable. But they're, they're, they're an amazing cricket team, that, that women's team. Mm. They just win title after title and they just go about it. And, and for them to be so focused in amongst this yeah. pay yeah. dispute. Yep. And this is why we need some sort of resolution. Yeah. If, if they Before win they that World home. Cup and come yeah. home, Kel, yeah. they're unemployed. Oh, yeah. 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 It would be wrong. <laughs> Love the improvisation of, of batters. Is this a ramp or a scoop? I'm not sure. Uh, but it's... Gee, it's a good shot, isn't it? It's a root. That's oh, <laughs> <laughs> clever. It's, it's typical of new root. <laughs> not, not, not Joe Root. <laughs> still, got, still got my... Right. This is the innovation in the game nowadays, but... Yeah, going over leg side and then deciding the bowler has adapted and that's what it's all about, thinking on your feet. But it's not only the men's the women's doing games well. that, are, that are doing it so well. We saw um, Natalie... Siva, in the English uh, uh, World Here she comes. Team. Yep. Bang, there you go. Got York. Yeah. And up. the draw shot, they used to call that crash. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. Used to be in the coaching manual, believe it or not. So it's not called a tweener in quick cricket? No. Uh, <laughs> that's where you just, you, made, you make out that you meant it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. run she, down the pitch going, And, and hope it. that the commentary team is supporting <laughs> you on that. <laughs> All right, the Wallabies uh, will wear a special Indigenous jersey for a Bledisloe Cup game this year. Now, it was modelled by the man who has pushed the idea 
idea for some time, an emotional Kirtley Beale. Um, I'm a very proud Indigenous man and... Um, oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just great. It's just awesome. I was, we've got a lot of young Indigenous um, talent in this country and, uh, you know, for me to kind of... Um, you know, to be the, the, the person to kind of reveal it to everyone out there. Um, uh, it's just a special, special feeling. And yeah. There he goes. I love the look of it. Yeah, it I love the dance as well. And it'd be great to have him back in that jersey or any Wallaby jersey uh, speak of it because they've not been on fire Australian rugby. Oh, look, it, it, you know what? He's a good story. I mean, he's battled away. He's had all sorts of controversies, had ups and downs, but he's just stuck at it. And some of the, the great old rugby union players, the Ellers, it's as much for them, Tony. It's brilliant. They said they, um, he presented... Was it uh, Checker asked him to talk about what the welcome to country means mm. to, to the, mm. the rest of the Wallaby squad, and he brought in, Kirtley brought in a, a, a painted Indigenous uh, jumper, and they carry that around to every game now and hang it in the chain. Brilliant. Nice, which is great. Coming up, uh, his man with the best seat in the house in racing, Winx jockey Hugh Bowman, joins us. set now. This is it, the grand final of Australian racing. Racing. Bowman hasn't moved a muscle. Doyle has on Hartnoller. Here she comes, Winks. Moves up on the outside of Hartnoller. Then the United States and Happy Clapper. But away she goes now, Winks. She's racing royalty this man. There's seven in a row. The grandstand shaking. Beautiful thing about sport, and I'm a sports lover. It's unpredictable, and you know, I'm just there. I've got to savor the moment. Yeah, one of the great sporting partnerships right there. Winks and the man who hangs on for dear life. He is the best in the business, ranked at number one in the world. Jockey Hugh Bowman, hello and welcome to the show. Tony, thanks for having me on the show. It is a great partnership. I want to get there. I want to go a little bit earlier first. So is it true that you rode a horse basically before you could actually walk? That is true. I can't really remember, but yeah, I've been <laughs> driving. I grew up riding horses. I've ridden them all my life and I guess that's what how I got into racing and... Uh, from the time I was at school, I wanted to be a jockey, and I'm living my dream. And it's amazing, and you're living the dreams of many, many Australians who, of course, love and adore Winx. I've heard, I read a story, I think it was from the Strapper, that Winx doesn't like people. Uh, is that true? How do you get on with Winx? I uh, get on well with her, but uh, she's a no-nonsense individual. Mm -hmm. She likes... She doesn't really like to be pampered and cuddled. She likes to... She's a businesswoman and she likes to get on with business. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever whipped it? Ever whipped her? Have you ever uh, whipped it? I have, yes. Yeah, but yeah. Not, not, too many in a race. <laughs> not, not too many in a race, do you? Uh, not really. She no. doesn't need it, you know. And If I do, it's merely an encouragement thing, yeah. just to let her know to, to keep her mind on the job because she's usually uh, a few lengths in front of her rivals. Can I ask you one question? It's a serious question about Winks. I was probably going to do it a little later in the interview, but everyone's talking about this huge race coming up in Sydney, the Everest, um, which is, you know, luring all the fastest horses all around the world to compete in this race. Now, Winks isn't running in this race, but can I ask you personally, if it was a 1,200-metre race, do you think Winks could beat the fastest horses in the world if that horse was in the race? Uh, I think if she was set for this particular race, then she'd be the one to beat. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. She'd be favourite. Yep. Can you describe for us the first moment that you rode her and did you know then that something was different? Uh, not really. I mean, she gave me a very good feel. It was a long time ago. She was a spring three-year-old filly and she was getting ready for the three-year-old fillies major, which in Sydney is a flight stakes so over 1,600 metres. And I was pencilled in to ride another horse. Um, anyway, when I rode Winks, I thought, uh, this is a good horse. So I got off first seal to ride Winks and uh, first seal then beat Winks in the next two starts. So... At that stage, I thought, well, I you know, mean? I should know better. I've made, <laughs> I've made the wrong decision. <laughs> it's like my say, punting career. <laughs> when you say I knew she was a good horse, what is it? Uh, look, you can't predict a horse to develop into what she has become. Uh, I, in fact, I rode So You Think in his first start. He's another champion horse from Australia, and he went over to Europe and did very well for the Aidan O'Brien and Coolmore syndication. But uh, the first time I rode him, I knew. Yeah. Now, I didn't know he was going to be that good yeah. because you can't predict it. But is but, it a feeling or what, what is it exactly? Um, it, their temperament, it's the way they carry themselves, it's the way they move. It's like any good athlete. Uh, you know, you see good tennis player, a good cricketer, a uh, good football player. You know, the, the elite ones just move well. Mm. And they move with time. They have time on their side. It's the same with a horse. Is it true she's got a very good IQ, very smart horse? Well, I've never asked her any hard questions. <laughs> I heard a story once that she did something that was very, very clever. You tell us yeah, what it was. She, she is very intelligent. She is intelligent, but again, most of the elite horses do do have a certain intelligence above and beyond. So, what did she do that day? Stock standard. Well, I was riding a work at uh, Rose Hill before the Doncaster and. I got so excited in the moment, it was dark, I couldn't see very well. And uh, I forgot to steer around the corner because she works inside the cones. Yeah. So I'm working inside and I forgot to steer and the cones turn around. Next thing I was going straight at it and I thought, well, I'm going too fast to pull her in. I'll just drift her out. But as I went to drift, she went to go in herself. And of course, I steered her straight over it and she simply lifted her offside front leg at a flat gallop about that much higher than a normal gait to clear it. And I've, of all the horses I've ridden and all the riding I've done, I've never felt a horse. That's Imagine probably my favourite moment. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get back to, to Winks in a moment. Uh, but with for you, though, when you ride that, when all those people are out there and they're putting their hard earned on every week, she's the people's champion, that, to me, is the definition of pressure for you. Do you feel it? Oh, look, I'm not oblivious to it, but the way I cope with. I don't feel pressure. I feel a very high level of responsibility, but pre not pressure. My, my job is to ensure that we're watching there. She, she gets to a position where she can be, where she needs to be to produce. And that's my job, and I'm there to do a job. I can't make a win. I can't make her go fast. All I can do is simply put her where she needs to be to perform at her, her best. Now, Leighton Hewitt's got the Come on, or whatever it is. Uh, and you've got the... Well, she's apples. It is she's apples. <laughs> yeah. Why, where and how? Well, it's a long story. So I was at home... <laughs> I was at home with my mates from home years ago and my cousin who'd spent... My cousin, Stuart, uh, he, he'd spent a bit of time in North Queensland working and he came back with this saying, oh, she's apples whenever something good happened. Yeah. And 
it was just a bit of a laugh amongst the boys and I, I said, look, I'm going to take it back to Sydney and put it on the map, this shit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, it's just it's developed, and, and you, you know, know, one thing you or another, well, and here we are. It has developed because there's a copycat out there, just a young emerging athlete that's coming through the ranks that I noticed on social media in the last 24 hours or so. <laughs> who's that who's, who's got the whole oh, series? There, there you go, look. Roger Federer. It's oh. catching on. He's uh, it, getting global, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Can you, uh, Tony mentioned that you're living the dream and the, the dreams that others would like to live. You're, mm. you're from regional New South Wales. What's the pathway now like for young riders compared to when you came up from Dunedoo? Is, is the pathway similar or how do the young aspirational riders get a gig like you've got now? That's a good question, Adam. Look, it's, it's different, certainly different. And I think, I think it, it's come to time now where with society and changes that, you know, and the pressures that the trainers are under. So the system is... As a youngster, you're apprenticed. In in essence, you work for a trainer and you develop your skills and then you start to race ride and after four years you become a professional jockey. So I think nowadays uh, it's hard for the trainers to give the time to the apprentices. Some are very good at it, but trainers are under a lot of pressure themselves and don't have the time or the resources to help the youngsters. So there is a, a apprentice school in New South Wales. There's one in Victoria. But personally, I'd like to see the two states because the reason I say those two states because they're the biggest states mm, in the yeah. sport and, and the other states can feed off their leadership. But uh, maybe get a national apprentice school yep. and, and develop the young riders that way. And I, I think, personally, it's the way of the future. All right, just to, very quickly, I want to get to your going to Kokoda in, in a second, but I want to show you some vision. When you're in the jockey's room, do you have a laugh at each other or when you're riding in a race? Now, this is Blake Shin, I think, from memory, having a bit of a ride, a having a bit of trouble uh, with the, in the pants department. <laughs> <laughs> Does he cop it for a while after that? Well, he ran second, I ran third. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, really was in the, I really was in the box seat. <laughs> You don't want a photo on that one. Don't you? <laughs> Just quickly, so you are going to Kokoda doing the track? Uh, yeah, I'm walking it with uh, Kathy O'Hara, Corey Brown and Stephen Baster. Chris Smith is coming as well. So uh, we're raising funds for the Mark Hughes Foundation and the National Jockeys Trust. So if you want to help out, walking to help. .com.au. Be much appreciated. Hugh Bowman, absolutely love to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me on. There is what a champion coming up. Another one, the champ of the week. Stick around. Welcome back. And the good news is that uh, Fitzy has signed his semi-pornographic poster uh, for his fan. Well played. Uh, who wouldn't mind? Just put it down now, Fitzy, and talk us through this exciting bit of footage. What's going on? Tony, here? this is called the dock. It's in Bali. For all the lazy surfers out there, they've made this raft, and all you do is run down it, jump off the end, and you're on the wave. That's awesome. That is my style of surfing. So, Kel, you just line up. Yeah. So you don't have to compete with anyone. You line up, and when it's your turn, wait for your wave and run off. Brilliant. Yeah, you right still on. have to be able to surf though. Yeah. <laughs> Time now for our champ of the week. And the title of greatest of all time sits pretty comfortably on Roger yeah, Federer so at 35. Fed has won his eighth Wimbledon title, clocking up his 19th major win as usual. He was all class, talking about his heroes in the game, making it about family, celebrating in the same style he plays. How many more has the great man got 
in him. Well played, Roger Federer, our champ of the week. Sadly, that's where we have to leave you. Thank you very much for your efforts. We'll see you next week for our Game of Thrones edition of the show. This has been a production of Fox Sports.